Okay. Hello, everybody. What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> Did you start to say something? <laughs> I think I was just saying okay or something. All right. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and that is Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one because I know you're looking forward to this one. So uh, you know, this is, this uh, I'm is going an to, all-time uh, favorite of mine. I'm going to. I'm sorry. Go one. ahead. What? I, I'm going to feed off your energy for this one. Yeah. Well, we've talked in the past how this may very well be my favorite Marvel comic of all time, uh, and. You know, that's that's part quality, because I do think it's a quality book and part nostalgia, because this was right when I was in the, you know, just getting into comics mode. And I read this one and I read it and I read it again and then I read it uh, and I loved it. And I, I was we when we were first talking about doing the thing Hulk retrospective, uh, that was back when it was you, Mike and myself. And originally we were going to do kind of like two minutes on each book. We're going to do it in one episode, but we each picked a book to cover. And I had picked this one for obvious reasons. Uh, Do you recall what you had picked? I I really don't, but if I had to, if I had to guess, I probably picked the Jim Starlin graphic novel. Um, just because that's probably at that time, I hadn't read a whole lot of thing Hulk fights. So that's probably, it would either be that one I would expect, or, um, I, I'm pretty sure that there was a tussle between the two of them when the Hulk was Joe fix it. And the thing was like the, what the hell did they call that where he had mutated, where he had more rocks? He had kind of yes, like a the pineapple like a dinosaur. Pineapple, pineapple, yeah, that's a great, great way to describe it. I think there was a fight between them during that time, and, and so I might have picked that one. But I honestly, I vaguely I, I remember don't. those two books being picked. I think those are the two that you and Mike picked. I just don't know which one you picked and which one he picked. Yeah, I, I don't recall. So, but I, 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 I'll tell you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm walking all over you. I, I well, think we, we have, have just a little, a little bit, of, bit of a lag. I was just so. going to say, we have a little bit of a lag that's causing us to do this. So we apologize to the listeners, but this may keep happening. 
<laughs> I always feel bad about that because I, I have the worst feeling that somebody in the listening audience is like, God, Gardner just can't stop interrupting people. It's it's not that. It's like there's always seems to be just the slightest lag on my end. And so I end up butting into when people are trying to talk and I feel really badly about it. I'm not an interrupting a-hole, I promise. Well, not most of the time anyway. <laughs> well, not for interrupting at least. <laughs> well, what I was going to say though is um, – I, I, I'm hoping this 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 gives you the warm fuzzies, Paul. But uh, I always really get a kick out of it, and it means a lot to me when somebody will seek out a book simply because I recommended it, or, or especially when I've really gone on and on about something. Like if there's a book that I just love, it's a favorite of mine, and and I just can't shut up about it. Uh, it means a lot to me when somebody contacts me and says, "Hey, you know that book that you're always going on? I, I sought that out." And especially if they end up liking it. Now, recently, somebody, I, I won't say who, but somebody sought out Destroy, which, as you know, I've mentioned this book nonstop in all the years that I've been podcasting. Unfortunately, they didn't seem to think too much of it. But I think it was from the early stages of this project that I learned of this book from you. I'd never read it. I'd never even heard of it. And I was kind of surprised that not only wasn't it already in my collection, but I'd never even heard of it. And so when you were describing it and, and really praising it and everything, I, I it, to me, it was just like, I got to get this. And I did. I bought it sight unseen, I think off of eBay or something. And uh, and you're right. It's a great book. So I, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for the recommendation, because I, I agree. This is this one's really fun. It's it's not just the fight. It's not just the the amazing art. Um, as we get into this, I want to talk about. I think there's a deeper level to this story that, on a first or second read, might get you might miss it. And I kind of want to talk about that when we get into it. What if I'm in like my hundredth read? <laughs> Maybe you've noticed it too. <laughs> I uh, I want to start off now. We're not going to do the email on our email bin just yet. Uh, but we got one in today and I just feel like it's on point because it directly refers to the Hulk versus the thing project that we're working on now, which has become if I guess this is our fourth episode in this series. Uh, now. Uh, First one was 12, yeah. 25 and 26. Second one was Hulk 122, Fantastic Four 112. Third was Hulk 150, Yay. whatever, yeah. and Marvel feature number 11. So this is off. Yeah, I guess you're right. So now yeah, that we're going into the fifth, that. now that we're going into the fifth, I guess, uh, I, you know, I guess it's obvious that we're going to try and do all of them. So that kind of answers one of the <laughs> questions in this particular email. But let me just read this. It's from Stephen Dunn, who is a... A new emailer. I, I hope he's a long-time listener. I don't know if he is or not. Uh, but if he's a new listener, that's great, too. Uh, but it's good, always good to hear from new people. I really do appreciate knowing that our efforts are going out there to people and uh, that they feel strongly enough to write into us. Hi, guys. Long-time caller, first-time listener. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Whether he's a long-time listener or a new listener, I just hope he enjoys what he's listening to. Uh, so Stephen says, hi, guys. Just wanted to say thank you for a great podcast. As a Bronze Age baby who has read early Marvel thanks to reprints in UK comics and Essentials collections, I couldn't have asked for a better podcast subject than Hulk vs. The Thing. 
and as I had a three-hour drive coming home from a night shift, the two of you kept me awake and entertained for the majority of it. Like you, I found the first fight a little too brief and also couldn't understand how a handgun could take down the Hulk. General Ross should have kept hold of that. Are you covering every meeting, including skirmishes? And that's where we're trying to. We hope we're not missing anything. Uh, I remember a great story where the stranger had them help him take on Pluto, but even with the world at stake, Ben and Big Green took a few swings at each other. One for the stalemate column, if I recall correctly. Can't wait for the next show. Best wishes from the UK, Steve Dunn. I think uh, the one you're referring to, Steve, is a Marvel 2-in-1 annual uh, with the thing and the Hulk together. So, yeah, we would certainly be covering that. I, you know, I, I guess we're going to try and cover every meeting between them, whether they fought or not, you know, unless it's kind of a peripheral thing. Like, we're not going to... Uh, hit on if there was a huge company-wide crossover and they're both seen in the same room in a picture or something. But if there's anything where they're actually, you know, meeting each other uh, in a book like that, where it's the two of them together, we're certainly going to try and cover that. But I, I really appreciate Agreed. the email. Like I said, I, I think it's great. You know, it's always great to have new people on board with us. So we yeah, are... Yeah, if you're uh, oh, not in our... I'm hoping he's in our Facebook group. Uh, if you are, uh, chime in. Let us know a little bit about you. Or, or write into the show again. Yeah, please. Absolutely. So today, our big coverage is of Giant Size Superstars number one, which was the premier issue of Marvel's Giant Size books. And i got to tell you, I have a soft spot for all of the Giant Size books. And I mean all of them. Even the ones that are just reprints. Uh... I, I just I, I can't get enough of these. I don't have every one of them. I wish I did, uh, but I have a good sized number of them. And anytime I see one that I don't have in the, uh, you know, in, in the bins, I usually pick it up. Uh, so I, I'm I'm a, let's start let's start right off. I'm an easy mark for these books. And uh, the original plan was it was going to be giant size superstars, and it was going to be a regular book, and it was going to have rotating uh, stars. So the first issue was going to be the Fantastic Four. The second issue was going to be Spider-Man, where he was fighting Man-Wolf and Morbius. And then an editorial decision was made to uh, break them up. And so with issue two, Giant Size Superstars became Giant Size Fantastic Four. I think that ran six issues, if I remember correctly. Uh, the Spider-Man issue went out as Giant Size Superheroes. Uh, and... Then became Giant Size Spider-Man, which was kind of a Marvel team-up book, uh, and that restarted at issue one. So they were very inconsistent in how they did that. Uh, but yeah. this was the first one, and it is written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Rich Buckler, inked by Joe Sinnott, uh, colored by Petra Goldberg, lettered by Artie Simic, and edited by Roy Thomas. The cover, which is by Rich Buckler and Joe Sinnott, shows the thing punching the Hulk in a boxing ring with Mr. Fantastic in the background reaching forward, trying to grab him. Uh, and then in, in the front row cheering are the Human Torch and Medusa. And uh, it's a pretty sharp image, if you ask me. I think we start off, we start off on a high note right away. I think this is a really cool cover. Uh, you know, once again, I don't really care for the fact that they had to box it in and have the top be you know a different 
color and all. And there are a decent number of words on the cover. Uh, you know, it says first fabulous issue, new, the wildest thing versus the Hulk battle of all. And wait till you find out who wins. And uh, plus a rogues gallery of the world's most sinister supervillains. So there's, there's a lot of dialogue on there. And it's kind of, I don't think it's really necessary because the color cover image says it all as far as I'm concerned. The synopsis of the story reads as follows. Thank you, Marvel Wiki, for this. Uh, the title of the issue is called The Mind of the Monster. The Hulk is bounding through New York, wondering why he came to New York again when he really didn't want to go. Falling asleep in an alley, the Hulk changes back into Bruce Banner. When Banner awakens, he finds that he's near the Baxter building and decides to pay a visit to Reed Richards to see if he can cure him of being the Hulk. When Banner is admitted into the Baxter building, the only FF member he finds there is the Thing. While talking with Ben, he learns that Reed had been developing a Psi amplifier device, and Bruce suddenly has an inspiration of how to cure not only himself of ever turning into Hulk again, but also cure Ben of being the Thing as well. While rigging up the machine, Bruce begins its cycle when he suddenly begins to change into the Hulk. The Hulk tries to smash the machine, which causes a large explosion. Although the two powerhouses survived the blast, it did have one unforeseen side effect. The Thing and the mind, Hulk's minds have swapped bodies. This, however, doesn't stop the Hulk from picking a fight with the Thing. As the other members of the FF rush to the Baxter building, the Thing and Hulk's battle rages on. As their battle takes to the streets, they run, also run into Thundra, who also joins the fight. Unaware that the Thing and Hulk have switched bodies, Thundra tries to help the Thing, only to get clobbered for her trouble. The Thing and Hulk's fight takes them to a wrestling arena where they duke it out in the ring. As the fight rages on, Reed deduces what has happened and finds a solution. Getting a large amount of tranquilizer, Reed injects it into the Hulk's body. This causes the Hulk to pass out and reverse back into Bruce Banner, and it also reverses the mind swipe. swap. Excuse me. Ben's happy to be in, back in his body, however, Thundra revives and returns the blow that the Thing delivered to her earlier before walking off. So this is not a very complicated issue. I have to uh, concede that about it. But, oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, I have to, I didn't realize I don't have my copy of it open. So if you give me a minute, I'm going to do that. Bam, 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 bam. Well, start off, what do, you, <laughs> what do you think of the cover? I like the cover. I like the cover a lot. I'm not sure exactly why, because wasn't I just complaining about a cover like this not long ago with uh, with so much of it taken up with verbiage and, and the trade dress and everything. But it works for me. And I think quite possibly what helps it work for me is that the color at the top and, the in, you know, the background behind the giant size uh, superstars logo and everything uh, matches the red throughout the rest of it. So it matches the red in the, in the explosion box that says new, it matches the red in and wait to, you know, find out who wins. And it matches Johnny's costume. Cause Johnny had the red costume in honor of the original human torch during this time. And it kind of sort of matches Medusa's hair. So it, there's sort of a, a loose symmetry of color that mm -hmm. just, I don't know. It, it works for me somehow. And, and I like that. I hadn't put uh, that together that that's that way, but you're right. And it does create uh, kind of, it, it kind of 
binds it together and, and makes it not so bad that they boxed it off. Right. Yeah, they don't they don't clash. The colors don't clash. And I like that. And it's just it, it's a really good image. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's actually a really fantastic image. And you're right. They didn't really need all this verbiage because, as you said, the, the picture sells it. This is all I got to see. You know, these yeah. two duking it out, especially with them being in a boxing ring. Yeah. You know, if I'd seen this on the stands as a kid, yep, I'm, I'm handing over my my 35 cents. I, I got to have it. There's nothing about the words that made somebody who was not going to pick this up, pick it up. Uh, you know, the only one I, I'll say maybe is if you have somebody who was a speculator of some sort and saw a first fabulous issue, maybe. That's about it. Everything right. else is just by the image. So the, the splash page shows the Hulk, uh, you know, in, in mid-leap uh, in New York, and he's complaining that planes are following him. And he clearly just hit into a news helicopter. Uh, and I assume he killed the two people in it because I don't think it would uh, recover from that. No, it shows them on the next page where they where they cry. The first panel of the next page is them crashed in the on the what is this? The Bron the Brooklyn. What it is that? The it doesn't play? show them alive, does it? <laughs> oh, they're talking. One of them's talking. Yeah, okay. he says the question is yeah, how do we our bus at the radio station that his traffic copter was just knocked out of the sky? <laughs> yeah, and, and and they survived that. Yes, sure. <laughs> so so. Uh, you know, then we see, we see the Hulk again leaping, landing, and then looking out on the city. He's complaining about Doctor Strange, calling him for, uh, you know, for for the defenders. At this point, we're probably, I would speculate. I don't know what's May of nineteen seventy four. I think we're probably just past the Avengers Defenders War at this point. Uh, then he's he's, un in a, in an un Hulk like way. He's kind of being a little uh, careful about his movements. He's, he's looking around the corner, you know, kind of keeping himself hidden behind the building. And I think it's just a really cool image of his face there. Yeah. Just, yeah, I do I'm, like I'm that. going to, uh, to be geeking out over the art a lot in this. And Scott and I have had an extensive discussion before we started this, which we'll address a little bit later as we get into it. Uh, but just suffice to say, I think the art is awesome in this book. Uh, so the, the I, next... I really like I, I like his bodily portrayal of the Hulk. I'm not so crazy about the Hulk's face in a lot of the pictures, although I agree with you where he's ducking around the corner, right there, you know, looking around the corner. I, I do like that facial shot, but some of the faces are a little bit weird, but I, I know why. Um, but I like how he draws the body of the Hulk, because if you look on especially on the first page but also on the second panel of the second page essentially he's the same hulk you know as far as you know his girth and and everything as like trimpy's hulk but he's more defined which is that's ultimately that was always my complaint with the trimpy hulk is that he he looked doughy he didn't look muscular whereas this hulk is huge. And, and again, I mean, if you could basically apply the same outline of the character to both versions, but, but Buckler takes the time 
to actually put in like you know the the lines for his ribs and and defines his musculature so yes he does look massively muscular and imposing and and this is the, how i like the hulk to look and uh, yeah he he looks great especially that first panel the very first splash page he looks you know scary scary big and he's got hair yeah. on his chest which <laughs> you've mentioned in the past hair yeah on his arms too yeah i noticed that now in that yeah, uh, that se- the second page the one where he's kind of shown flying through the air i kind of think he does look a little doughy in that one more than the than the first page i think yes yeah because on the he, first he's page l- he's uh, he's a bit more defined and maybe even a little leaner when he's landing he doesn't well it's, it's hard to make out his exact body because his arm is in the way but he just looks like a force of nature to me you know yeah he, he looks scary to me and then the, then we have a shot of him from behind and you see just like how large his arm is you know, kind of, kind of reminds me of like when Arnold Schwarzenegger was in Mr. Universe and he was just so huge that to play these <laughs> muscle-bound people in movies, they told him he had to lose weight. You know, he had to lose muscle. Right. Uh, <laughs> so then, then we, you know, he he feels tired and he falls asleep. And what I haven't seen very much over the years that we have here, uh, and I just like is as he's reverting back to Bruce Banner. Uh, the middle panel shows him, and he's kind of got skin tone and green mixed together, and I, yeah. I just think that's kind of a cool image. Uh, that's that's you know that's why I mentioned Petra Goldberg as the colorist because I assume that's her doing there, uh, and I just I thought that was a kind of a great transformation shot, and I'm surprised they haven't done that more over the years. To me, it almost reminded me of of Lon Chaney Jr. turning into the Wolfman or or yeah. Or, back again uh it's it's one of these ones you know we, we i think you mentioned earlier or not too long ago where it's a static image but you can almost feel the movement in it that that uh shot right there reminds me strongly of uh in the very beginning of uh avengers age of ultron the you know the movie uh where uh the hulk turns back into banner Sounds and right i've always liked that scene a lot. yeah it's I, I really like that. I like the green highlight in his hair. It's it's very subtle, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that that's really cool. I like he, wake, he he wakes up as Bruce Banner, and I'm I'm, I'm curious as to your opinion about this. Uh, he's kind of buff, yeah, as Bruce Banner, and that doesn't bother me. But it does go against what a lot of people would think that you know Bruce Banner is supposed to be smallish. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. He looks more to me like Ben Grimm, like the human Ben Grimm that he looks like uh, Bruce Banner. I like Bruce Banner as a a really, uh, you know, not a little guy, because I don't think Banner was supposed to be little, but I like him to be uh, scrawny and nerdy. And this here, and it seemed to me, and I could be wrong, I mean, I haven't read every issue of the Hulk that's out there, but it seemed to me like this kind of became kind of the standard look for him when he would be the, you know, the bedraggled Bruce Banner, you know, that had just changed back, you know, and clad in nothing but his ripped up purple pants, that often he did look kind of buff, you know, like his musculature was well-defined and everything. And I always felt like that was a mistake. Like he should look like, 
he should look like Robinson Crusoe. You know, he should look like uh, like a shipwreck victim after you know years of just barely eking out an existence. You know, scrawny and, and malnourished and that sort of thing. I like that imagery better of that scrawny little nerd turning into the most powerful creature on the face of the planet. That that's powerful imagery. You know, that's right up there with Billy Batson and Captain Marvel, you know, and, and I like that. And this here, it, it just, it loses a little bit of that effect when he shrinks down and he still looks like he might potentially kick your ass. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he would. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think you, you really hit upon it is I think this was kind of the character model at this time. Uh, and that's probably why I'm more forgiving of it, because this is the Bruce Banner that I got used to when I was first reading comics regularly. So it doesn't bother me, but I do see it. And from a story point of view or from a character point of view, it doesn't make total sense. Uh, it, it really does. I think it adds something to the character if it's more like what you say and he looks almost malnourished when he's Bruce Banner because yeah. he hasn't been eating regularly his body has been you know using up whatever it has when he's been the Hulk so I, I think there is an element there that that could add to the story but you know whatever I mean one of the things that that really defines you know that transition for me is the pants so you see him here, especially in the shot where, where we're getting the back of him and he's looking at the Baxter building, um, his pants fit. They should not fit, in my opinion. Now, I know he originally donned them as Bruce Banner, so you know theoretically they should fit him just fine, but he's just been the Hulk. So I, li- I always like the image where scrawny Banner, after he turns back, has to hold his britches up to keep him from just falling off of him because now they, they're all stretched out and they don't fit. And, and that's not the case here. And it, it loses something um, artistically, if you know what I mean. It, it just it, it it's an added to me. It's an added emphasis of the size difference and the power difference between these two guys. Yeah, I think there's, there's something to be said for the fact that Bruce Banner knows you know, what's going to happen to him, that at any point he could turn into the Hulk. So he would wear a pair of pants that are elastic or whatever that would allow him to actually have clothes on as the Hulk, you know, that just to out of modesty, whatever you want to call it. But then when he turns back, <laughs> that elastic would be all stretched out, and he would have to kind of hang on to them to hold them up. And they do have it. Right. If you look, it's, it's kind of like uh, the edge is kind of rolled over. So it could be that he has some sort of a string or something or a rope that's holding it. Right. Anyway, uh, the the whole the, the thing in the Baxter building is carrying around some giant uh, gadget, and he's kind of cleaning up Reed's lab, which is I don't know if that's true to his character. I don't know if he'd really care about the lab being a mess that it's got gadgets around, but he's got a giant thing. And, you know, I, I guess he's doing it for the purposes of working out. And then he gets the phone call that uh, Bruce Banner showed up at the uh, at the Baxter building. And it's a call back to Hulk 122, which we covered where they, you know, where they were trying to get him to come to look for a cure. Because the doorman says, I remember you'd seen a Bruce Banner before. And I thought and then uh, it's got the little uh, box that says in Hulk 122. The only thing about that is you tell me this guy doesn't know who Bruce Banner is. 
Right. Wouldn't the newspaper have been like telling us who he is over and over and over again? So. You would think so, but then again, that that other guard didn't know him either. So yeah. Yeah, it just that to me seems like a a little bit of a mistake. Well, I mean, during this time, how how public was the knowledge that Banner and the Hulk were were the same you know the same guy? Well, it became public. It I became, would assume. It became known in back still in Tales to Astonish uh, when Rick Jones thought that he was dead and, and revealed it. Uh, so we're, we're, you know, easily several years in real time from when that happened. So it's got to be a right. decent amount in comic book time. You know, it's, let's just say it's a year. Uh, I would think, you know, everybody would know. I don't think yeah, and really I'm, a secret. I, I'm not versed enough, you know, in the, in the character yet to, to know, you know, because I, I guess, you know, you it's possible maybe that while Rick, you know, told the general and, and Talbot and those guys, you know, about it, that it, it hadn't gotten out to the, you know, to the to the general public yet. But by this point, by 74, I would think that's known because hasn't the the trial has happened by this point. Right. That yeah. trial be covered. And yeah. So, yeah, you would think that people would know that, you know, there'd be a pretty quick association of, of those two names. So yeah, so, it, so you, it, you get the name and you also get a dude walking around with no shirt or shoes <laughs> and, and ripped up purple pants. Uh, I'm thinking you'd make the connection. So he, he, you know, the thing has him come up and he gets there and then he passes out immediately. Uh, which, which would also lend itself to what you were saying about him. You know, if he looked like malnourished or something, it would kind of, be more fitting when he passes out right so you know he, he rests for a while and then he wakes up and the thing uses some kirby tech to make a cup of coffee uh and then he's telling uh bruce about what reed has been doing and reed has the great idea to try and uh or excuse me bruce has the great idea to try and use that to cure them both and the next thing you know they're both strapped into this machine and uh Bruce Banner hits the button and we see a lot of Kirby crackle and with the excitement of it all he starts to turn into the Hulk and once again another one where I just I think this this page where he turns into the Hulk is great uh, and again we have the art with the, the slight green tint as he's turning into the Hulk and an interesting choice in layouts because when he does complete the transformation and bursts out of the machine, we see him from behind, which is probably very atypical of the choice you'd make there, but I think it's right. very, very effective. I think it's a cool shot. I like how his, uh, what would that be? That'd be his left eye. His left eye, the the eyelashes are overlapping the edge of the panel. That's That's a very interesting artistic choice, but it's really cool. Yeah, I, I think that is kind of I, I want to go back just a, just a little bit because sure. one the 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 my big takeaway from this issue again beyond you know just that it's it's a really good issue it, it's it's a lot of fun it's a great fight uh, it's you know beautifully drawn my big takeaway from this is something that that I I just don't think I really noticed when I've read this story before 
and that is the um, the interaction between Ben Grimm and Bruce Banner, and really Ben's compassion. And I like this, you know, I mean, I've always liked the thing and, and I think of him kind of this way as kind of like, you know, I, like you remember that old TV show, gentle Ben about the, about the bear, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of think of Ben Grimm that way as gentle Ben, you know, it's like, yes, he's gruff and yes, he's, you know, an almost a Hulk like power level and everything, but underneath it, you know, you know, he's got a heart of gold and he's a, he's a good guy, you know, he's trying to do the right thing and everything. And I think, it's easy to forget that about the character sometimes, but here I like that we're seeing a side of him that up till now, I don't think we've seen. And I can't remember a whole lot of times where we would see it again, where it's him and banner interacting, not him and the Hulk. And it gives some nice insight to how he feels about the situation between him and the Hulk. And you realize that, you know, there's no hate. There's no real animosity. I mean, you know, the Hulk's a big green doofus that just gets on his nerves, but he doesn't hate the Hulk. And, you know, it goes so far as here. I mean, he, he really genuinely feels, you know, compassion for Banner. And I really like uh, at the top of page seven, you know, when, when Banner, you know, Banner, as he always is, you know, after the transformation back, he's all distraught and everything. And we see him just sitting there, you know, with his, his face in his hands, just saying, Ben, I'll never be able to thank you, you know, taking me in, knowing, you know, what I can become. And Ben just kind of brushes it off. You know, he says, forget it. Mystery goes, uh, guys like us have got to stick together. And you realize that there's a, a camaraderie between them of a sort because of, you know, the, the similar lives that they're living. And Ben you know, for all his woes with being the thing and, and lamenting how he looks and everything, at least he's accepted. You know, at least he he can go out you know amongst people and you know in in you know he's always going on about you know being the idol of millions and all that. Whereas the Hulk truly is living a monster's life, and I think Ben gets that, and and I like that. This this interaction between the two of them was really my big big takeaway from this issue. I, I really like this. I think it says so much about Ben Grimm, you know, his character and, and about him as a person. I think that's cool. See now at this time, uh, and I don't know, I'm not sure exactly which one came first, but another thing issue. And I know I covered it with Dave Weeder on, on the show, uh, was Marvel two and one number three three with the thing and daredevil and the way that issue starts is daredevil swinging on his billy club and reed is having some sort of experiment so it it explodes and it it knocks daredevil off his club and he has to like scramble to survive the fall and he does but then his billy club is hanging up so he goes up to the, the baxter building and uh you know the thing lets him in and when he does he's like hey reed look who it is it's daredevil whatever and it just struck me then, and, and the same holds true for this issue, of the thing as just a regular guy. And he considers them to be yes. almost like this fraternity, that they're all in the same group together. And with guys like Banner here or with Daredevil or whatever, he feels like, you know, he can just be himself and kind of enjoy their company and not have to worry about, you know, villains and not have to worry about you know, people who are 
overreacting or whatever to, you know, his celebrity status. Like, I just kind of always took it as the thing is probably underneath that exterior, the most regular guy in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that might be kind of maybe part of the secret formula to why he worked so well in uh, in Marvel two and one. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, if it weren't for his appearance, he's just a regular Joe. And, and, and they, they that, built on that over the years. Awesome. They have him playing poker with the other superheroes and things like that. <laughs> right. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we were just to the point where he's turning into the Hulk again. And he bursts out of the machine. And we have a lot of Kirby crackle. Uh, you know, they show the thing. He says, uh, something's wrong. The gizmo's draining us too fast. Too much blasted power coming in here. And then there's a big explosion at the at the Baxter building, which, once again, it's got to kill some people. There's, there's Oh, yeah, look at the size falling. of some of those rocks. Yeah. <laughs> people are running, you know, in, in, in terror. But Thundra is down uh, on the street, and she's actually heading towards the Baxter building. Um she had previously made a couple of appearances in the Fantastic Four where she came to our planet. I don't know if she's from a just I don't know if she's from another reality or just another world. I'm not sure. But whatever she's the case one of those characters, I always have a hard time getting a handle on her history and everything, because every time I see her, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen her. And then I can never remember what the deal is. I, I think she's, isn't she from the same dimension as, um, there was that, that thunder looking guy. He, I think he wore a quiver full Archon. of like Archon. Yeah. Isn't he, isn't she from that dimension? I think she is. I think she's from another planet in the same dimension. I don't think she's from the same planet, but yeah. uh, her story was, you know, she had come to earth and she, for whatever reason, challenged the thing to a battle, uh, and they they actually fought in Shea Stadium, uh, and then she for a very short time joined the Frightful Four. Uh, it's one thirty three, right? One, uh, it's Isn't that one thirty three? I think it's the one with the Unisphere fighting on the Unisphere. Yeah, yeah, because you sent me that issue. Yeah, I was so excited to get that one because it had the Unisphere in it. Yeah, yep. Yes, yes that is the one. Uh, and then eventually, not too long after this, they had some sort of story where her planet, which was like Femazon or something like that, and this another planet like Machismo <laughs> or whatever, the two of them were merging, and it was like a female-dominated planet and a male-dominated planet, and it, it, I don't remember it being a good story, let's put it that way. Is she supposed to be some loose Marvel analog to Wonder Woman then? Because I know that this was right around the time that they were doing that with like Hyperion was was Marvel Superman and it, well, she, you know she was she was not part of that group, right? But it, it could be that she was inspired by Wonder Woman. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Is she who later became the she thing, or is that somebody else? That's somebody else. But I okay. do believe that much, much later, like in the early 2000s or the, even 2010, somewhere around there, I think there was a reality where there was a uh, – somehow she was impregnated by the Hulk, but I don't think it was like in traditional ways. I think she may have been 
you know, artificial insemination or something, but there was, there was a, an offspring, uh, that was like a female Hulk slash Thundra combo. Weird. Yeah. I, and I'm, uh, you know what? I don't know the whole story on that one because as you know, I like old books. <laughs> that's, that's that one's newer and I don't really remember the details. So well, I then, remember in one of our previous, uh, you know, examinations of a thing, Hulk fight. I know that there was some, some panels we were looking at of a Hulk's face going, does that remind you of somebody? And it happened again in, in this issue on this page that we're on here, page 11, that very last panel, does he look like somebody? Cause I'm looking at the panel where he's, he's got the worried expression on his face and he's saying, I'm the Hulk. And I'm just uh, thinking, it could like, definitely be photo referenced from somebody, but I don't know who. I'm thinking like Claude Aiken or, or somebody like that, you know, but I'm, or, or, uh, who was, uh, not, not Roy Clark. Who was the other guy on Hee Haw there? Um, <laughs> you're not asking the right guy on that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was, Roy, no, it was Roy Clark because the other one was Buck Owens. He was the skinny guy. Yeah. Roy, uh, yeah. My I don't Roy, know. <laughs> my Roy Clark, uh, is, you know, information is when he guest starred on The Odd Couple, which I thought was a right. great episode. Other right. than that, I really don't know too much about him. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so the, the Hulk is standing there among the rubble, and it's actually the thing's mind in there, and he has that realization that he's in the Hulk's body, and he sees the thing standing in front of him, seething. And that's, another, I think, another great shot, because you could almost see the thing like tensing up ready to throw a punch while the thing, while the Ben Grimm Hulk is trying to talk to him. And the next panel, you see the Hulk go flying through the wall because the, the, the Bruce Banner or the Hulk thing, uh, punched him through the wall. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, the, the thing body is actually speaking with the Hulk's voice. Hulk doesn't know what happened, but Hulk knows you. Hulk sees you in dreams. You're Hulk's enemy. Hulk will smash you. Hulk will make you die. Uh, so, you know, the, the Hulk has no clue what he really looks like. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know that that's him. And there's, there's another good shot of the two of them where, where the Hulk is, or I, I, we're going to confuse the two of them here all the time. I don't, know how, <laughs> I don't know how to distinguish them. The Hulk in the thing's body is pummeling the thing in the Hulk's body. And it's a shot of them like in a clinch, but you could see clearly the the thing body is getting the better of it. <laughs> and almost, I just noticed it almost looks like by the way the upper leg, the upper thigh is drawn on the Hulk's left leg right there, it almost looks like his pants are slipping off his ass. I just noticed that. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so just, just to now, keep, keep track of this for our, you know, our decision at the end of it, certainly the early advantage is going to the thing body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the final page of the first chapter of the book. Now, this next page, the first page of chapter two, page 13 of the book. God, I love this page. And one of the big reasons I love this is that this brings me back to my childhood, because one of my favorite Mego figures was Human Torch. Um, did, did you have Migos when you were a kid? No, I was 
you know, no. being a couple of years older than you, uh, that age difference was enough that by the time they came out, the Mego figures, I wouldn't have been that right. interested in them. I mean, I kind of wish I had been as collectibles, but, you know, for purposes of like my toy box, I had kind of aged out of that. I uh, I have been so tempted over the years to try to rebuild, you know, or at least get, you know, certain key figures back again, but I just don't need another rabbit hole hobby to fall down into. You know? <laughs> uh, you're but, preaching to the choir now. But man, I, I, I do miss my, my, you know, I mean, he'd do nothing but stand here and collect dust, but I do miss this this figure. He, he was actually one of my favorites. He just looked so cool, and he looked just like this picture. That was what was neat about him. Well, when you say he'd stand there collecting dust, that pretty much is my entire collectible collection. <laughs> uh, to me, the key to that, though, is they're on display. You know, I have a couple of curio. You've been to my house. I have curio cabinets. I have shelves. I have them on display. In which case, if they're collecting dust, that's okay because they're on display collecting dust. I just don't want to be getting collectibles where they're in the box and they're in the attic. Right, right. Oh, if I if I got him again, you know, I, I'd never fess up to it, you know, and and you'd probably have a hard time catching me at it. But I'd take him down. I'd play with him from time to time. I mean, okay. I don't. I generally don't leave my my like collectible figures and stuff in the package. I'm, oh, I'm still like I'm still package. a nine year old kid at heart, you know. I don't like him in the package, but I don't actually play with them. I just put them on display. But <laughs> Tina, Tina's always accusing me. She says, "Yeah, you know, when I'm not around, you sit there playing with them." And it's like, no, no, I really don't. And she's like, "Yeah, sure, you don't." Uh, the thing I like about this image is, and for if you if you're not able to read along, it's the Human Torch above Manhattan Island, pretty high above it, uh, flying and kind of doing loop to loops as he as he's doing so, uh, and it's the beginning of chapter two, which is called "Someone's Been Sleeping in My Head." Uh, to me, it just shows, like, if you were the Human Torch, that's what you'd want to do. Just imagine yep. being able to fly like that and 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 just you know, be free and, and fly around above the city and do loop the loops and just have, you know, such a great time with it. So, and I, I think you know, that been, captures that purpose perfectly. There's, you know, there's been a million examinations of the differences between Marvel and, and DC comics, you know, from different time periods, you know, right up till today. And this, to me, is always one of the biggest differences in them is that, you know, I love me some Superman, but I can't remember very many times where you'd ever see, like, Superman revel in his own power. And, you know, if you or I had the ability to fly, I mean, I imagine that quite often we'd have to pinch ourselves like, you know, this is so cool. I, I can fly, you know. And that's exactly what the Human Torch is doing here, and I like that. You know, it's just it's simple. They don't waste a lot of time on it, but it's cool, and it and it it adds a level of realism to it, at least to me. That yes, of course, if you could fly, this is the type of thing you would do, and I think that's really neat. And a lot of times when I'm, you know, when I'm when the differences between Marvel and DC are pointed out, it's almost that. You know, the Marvel Universe distrusts its heroes while the DC Universe, you know, puts up, uh, you know, museums to them and whatever. Or at least that's the way it was. I think DC has kind of made an effort to have things be a little bit more uh, edgy between the w real world and, and the heroes. But 
Right. I don't know if they've always succeeded in doing so. I think maybe they would have been better off keeping the same tone that they always had. But whatever. That's, Amen. That's, that's a story for another day. Uh, <laughs> and I think because, you know, it's, it's one thing because I think Marvel has successfully done that. But then to try and imitate it, it almost feels forced a little. It's just to give the final thought on that. Uh, I think, you know, they had their own way of doing things, and I think they should have stuck with it. I think they would have been better off. So uh, Reed and Medusa are in uh, a new new model, or testing a new model of the, uh, I guess, the Fantastic Car, uh, which I think is a callback to Fantastic 452 when the Black Panther gave them a, uh, a car. They're in the car, and Medusa's... You know, worried about Johnny because he's still upset about having broken up with Crystal, who was stolen from him by Pietro. Uh, and actually, though, I, I would have thought this should be uh, a moment where they're saying, look, he's finally cutting out of that and seems to be having fun. But right. anyway, <laughs> looking off in the distance, you know, Johnny can see the top of the uh, the Baxter building. I don't know if it's in flames or whatever, but if you look really carefully at that panel, it's almost like you can actually see the thing and the Hulk fighting on the roof. Yeah, they're much too large, though. Um, I, I think that is what it's supposed to be, but given the scale of the building and the rest of the picture and everything, they, they would be like gargantua size, you know, if, if that really was them. So. I, I think that is supposed <laughs> to be them. And I think I give Petra Goldberg credit for not making it too, too obvious in the coloring uh, to try and make it seem like, yeah, maybe it's not them. <laughs> cause, cause that, that, yeah, that the scale would not fit. So moving on to our next page, we're getting back into the battle. And once again, the thing in the Hulk's body is doing the better uh, better of the two. Uh, he's landing punches on the Hulk and then grabs him from behind and lifts him up. And the, the in the thing's body, he's saying the matter the Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. And the Hulk is the strongest of all. Uh, with regard to the thing, the caption box says stunned not certain how to handle the body he's found himself in the thing is unable to fully utilize his own vaster bulk his slightly greater strength and so ben Grimm falls easy prey to the hulk's blind rage see i think this is really really interesting because i don't know i i almost wish that that captioning wasn't there i think it reads much more interesting when you just read it you know, just with the dialogue that's given, because I, I think this is really interesting that while their minds have switched bodies, the Hulk still is the one that's dominating for most of this fight. That's really interesting to me. And it almost begs the question, is the thing holding back? Because, you know, in most of their fights, it doesn't look I mean, it looks like he's trying to give, you know, his 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 hundred and ten percent to, you know, at least hold his own with the Hulk, but, you know, hopefully beat the Hulk. Here, he's actually in the Hulk's body and still getting whomped. So I, I, well, it's, I, th- I think, I think it's, it's a it's combination of two things. Uh, one, just the things disoriented uh, by the whole transformation, uh, whereas the Hulk isn't giving it enough thought to be disoriented by it. Right. And the Hulk, you know, 
just fights no holes barred. So I do think there is a uh, an element of just letting it all hang out and, and just going for it. Whereas the thing, you know, is more thoughtful when he's fighting. He's, you know, he's trying to, to you know, to, to, to use his strength, you know, smartly as opposed right. to just cutting loose, which is what the Hulk would do or the Hulk's brain would do. So the, the Hulk in the thing's body throws the thing in the Hulk's body off of the roof of the uh, Baxter building. And the thing in the Hulk's body grabs a hold of the side, uh, uses the, the building to slow down his fall and gets inside. And then he's approached by Thundra, who, uh, you know, is is there basically to def- to defend the thing's honor and attacks, <coughs> attacks the Hulk in the thing's body, who she thinks is just the Hulk, with her chain that she carries with her. Uh, but while she's doing that, the Hulk, once again in the thing's body, and I'm sorry if I keep <laughs> having to say that, but I, I just don't want to get it confused, uh, runs over and grabs Thundra and throws her or punches her one or the other uh thinking thinking that she's a man because he says huh tall man (laughs) is not a man after all hulk hit girl you you are hulk's enemy you made hulk hit girl now hulk will make you pay and he starts to pummel uh no actually but now the uh the thing in the hulk's body is finally standing up for himself and lands a clean blow right to the jaw of of the hulk in the thing's body and uh the Hulk is kind of surprised that the other body is yeah. as strong as him. Yeah, and, I like that, Pam. Now, like the next page. I'm sorry, go ahead. What? No, I, I like that panel. I like the surprise on his face. Yeah. And the next page is just kind of the epic tussle between the two of them. Uh, you know, the, the thing lands a big blow. The Hulk lands a big blow. They rush at each other. The Hulk land, lands another blow. Uh and then finally, Ben in the Hulk's body gives a shot that just knocks the Hulk in the Thing's body down through the uh, through the ground, and the two of them fall together. And once again, isn't the Hulk. There, go ahead. Isn't there a panel? I gotta flip to it real quick. In the other story that we're hopefully going to have time, yeah, there is. In the other story that we're going to cover, there's a, there's a panel that's almost exactly the same as that one, where the Hulk is knocking the thing down into the street. So that that's that's funny. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that when we get to it. I, I just I just realized the comparison between the two of them. Yeah, we will we'll talk about that right now, really quickly. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. It's yeah, I, I I see what you're talking about. You see it, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> back to this. Uh, the the two of them, you know, the the Ben Grimm is thrown off. That's from now from this point forward. I'm gonna refer to the thing in the Hulk's body just as Ben Grimm, and I'm gonna refer to the Hulk in the Thing's body just as the Hulk, even though he's in the Thing's body. <laughs> Okay, so anybody listening, keep in mind that that's what I'm doing. So Ben Grimm says, 
Holy cow, I knocked him right through the sidewalk and right into the path of that train. You jerk, don't you see what's happening? We got to get out of here or we'll be flattened. Move, you blamed moron. <laughs> We're going to get killed. I love when they have him talk like, like he's out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. He's, now, I love when he really talks like Yosemite Sam. About... <laughs> would he really be that concerned about a subway train, though? I mean, uh, I mean you know what? He would... should be because there should be passengers on it. And even if it wouldn't hurt him and the Hulk, he'd probably kill people by slamming into them. Right. Right, not but his dialogue makes it sound like he's worried about you know him himself and and the Hulk and that I don't know I mean I would think that he would realize that they would both easily survive being hit by a train but I don't know yeah no I I agree but uh, it's, it's still he's talking like a seventy Sam I'm happy. <laughs> So then we, we cut back out into the street and uh, the Human Torch is making a four signal in the sky, which I don't really know why he has to do that because he, uh, you know, the Reed Richards and, and Medusa were following him anyway. And just by way of background, at this point, the Medusa was the fourth member of the team because Sue Storm had left because Reed had fired a uh, an energy wep- an energy dampener at Franklin, who was going to explode or something and turned him into a vegetable so she had a tough (laughs) tough time forgiving that and left him so at that point medusa became a temporary member of the fantastic four Uh, so yeah he lands in front of the building the the landlord who's kind of a jerk who we met i think in the previous issue we covered uh is complaining about, you know, the, the destruction to the building, blah, blah, blah. The torch flies away. Uh, he's he's going after them, as is Thundra, who we follow. And she makes their, makes her way into the uh, subway where the thing, or the Hulk, is pounding on Ben Grimm, saying, fight, ugly man, hit Hulk back. Hulk will show you who is more powerful. Hulk will show everyone. And the train is coming, and the the Hulk turns around to face it. Now, I guess from the way this occurs, just to address the point you made earlier, is the Hulk probably wouldn't be damaged by the train, but the thing might not be quite strong enough for that, because Thundra sees this happening and goes and tries to help the thing in the Hulk's body, and they stop the train, probably killing people in the process. Right. <laughs> I uh, back it up one page, page 22, that last panel, that shot of the thing rearing up. Well, it's actually the the Hulk in the thing's body, you know, rearing up his fist to, to hit the, the Hulk again. Mm-hmm. Um, that I love that. It's yeah, that's a, a scary shot. looking thing. You know, it's it really conveys a, a Hulk like demeanor on the face of the thing and that's really cool because you don't usually see the thing looking like that you know maniacal and he does right there it's that's a really good and and scary panel of the thing that's cool yeah i totally agree. but yeah I, I i i was thinking the same thing in this part where they stopped the train i'm like you know there's all that kinetic energy there it's gotta go somewhere 
You know, they're not just going to, you know, I mean, I would always think the same thing, like when Superman would stop a train, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the day, Superman would stop a train and there wouldn't even be like a dent in the front of the train. I mean, it's, it's a great image, but you have to think a little bit about, you know, physics and things like that. And it, you know, I mean, all this energy, this, this thing, you know, theoretically is going full bore down that tunnel. You just suddenly, you know, put an immovable object in front of it. Well, that energy's got to go somewhere. So what happens to this poor train, you know? Right. Well, <laughs> even, even in the shot they show, you could see this buckling between the first car and the second. Right. So if you're on that train, you know, and I assume there's somebody on it, even if it's just the, uh, the conductor, uh, Right. Or the engineer or whoever it is that I should <laughs> one of my best friends works for the MTA and I should be able to give you a better description as to what roles they have. But sorry. <laughs> Train dude. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I guess we're, we're at Penn Station at this point because that's where uh, Madison Square Garden is. And I'm a little surprised that the uh, synopsis that I read just says a, you know, an arena. It's Madison Square Garden. It's the most famous arena in the world. So. Uh, they come bursting up through the ground in the center aisle while a boxing match is going on. Uh, and the boxers clear out of there. And the next thing you know, the thing and the Hulk are actually in the ring fighting each other. <laughs> Which is kind of incredulous, but so cool. That's awesome. And while that's going on, Reed and Medusa are making their way towards them. And that is the end of chapter two. On to chapter three. And in this corner, the Incredible Hulk. And we have a shot there of the thing, or the Hulk in the thing's body, pummeling the Ben Grimm Hulk. And Rita's saying, it is impossible. (laughs) Ben's beating him through sheer fury. And Ben Grimm is thinking, and I can't get this crummy body organized to fight back. Every time I try to yell out, he hits me in the mouth. Too dizzy to talk. Can't. <laughs> so the, the human torch approaches to try and help and quickly gets hit by a thing fist from the Hulk. And he, I, at a minimum, he should have a broken jaw, I would think. Right. So I'm just you know, kind of keeping track of the damage here. Uh, Johnny passes out. Reed doesn't understand why the thing's body would punch him and then the the ben Grimm just lets loose with a great shot that throws the thing's body across the room and medusa says if he keeps fighting he'll kill ben he's too strong so you know he's doing better here he clobbers the thing from behind and gets him into like a a, i guess that would be a quarter nelson uh right and Reed is kind of figuring out what goes on. He says, I, I, I have no other choice. I'll have to act now before it's too late. Ignoring the sounds of violence, Reed Richards moves quickly to a spot near ringside where he finds an abandoned first aid kit kept on hand in case a boxer is injured. He finds what he needs, makes a few adjustments, fills a syringe with tranquilizer and acts. So he stretches over the two of them says, don't, don't worry, Ben, I understand it all perfectly now. Once I use this, the threat will be over and the Hulk will be finished for the, for the time being at least. Stand firm, old friend, I promise. I won't let you down. And he plunges the, uh, the needle into the shoulder of the Hulk's body 
and Ben says, no. oh, no, Reed, no, couldn't tell you, couldn't get it out in time. You don't know what you've done, Stretch. You don't know what you've done. And he falls through the hole in the ground that him and the Hulk came fighting up through. Now, presumably, this is just a regular run-of-the-mill hypodermic needle. So how did he get that into the Hulk's hide? Uh, plot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because there's no way. Bullets bounce off this guy. You're not... You're not plunging in with it with a little tiny needle, you know. If anything, you need that needle that 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 Quint had in in at the end of Jaws that he was going to try and. Uh, <laughs> Did this you know, tiny get, needle do his skin? Yeah, exactly. You go in the cage. Cage goes in the water. Hulk's in the cage. Sharks in the water. Hulk's in, Hulk's in the water. <laughs> Our yeah. Hulk. So the, the next panel shows the prone body of Bruce Banner laying on the ground in, you know, through the hole. And we see a pair of, uh, Buccaneer boots approaching him. Blue Buccaneer boots. Who could that be? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I guess, you know, I guess it's Thundra. Oh yes, it is Thundra. Yeah. Because the next panel, she comes up out of that hole. I was thinking she just came up from behind them. I didn't realize she comes up out of the hole. Uh, you know, and, and the, the thing, meanwhile, his mind went back into his own body. And Reed says, uh, you know, he had figured it out. And he says, this... you know, coupled with my knowledge of what the Psy amplifier could do, add a little educated guesswork, and it wasn't difficult to arrive at the correct answer. Once I realized the truth, the, the solution was simple. Change the Hulk back into Banner, and that would force Ben's mind into his proper body, which fortunately ah! it did. Yeah, the science of that makes no sense. But the science of those <laughs> minds in the first place makes no sense. You just have right. to say, yeah, okay, I'll go with that. So Thundra comes up behind and whacks the thing. You know, I offered you aid and you return it with perfidy. I don't even, I've never heard anybody use the word perfidy uh, in real life. Not once, but twice. Yeah. I may have had a reconciliation. Any thought I had of a reconciliation is ended. So, uh, you know, he, they realized that when the Hulk was controlling his body, he had hit her. Uh, so it's the thing, yeah, Reed Rich tells him he has to go apologize and it ends with him saying, you know something, Stretch? Some days it just don't pay to get out of bed. And that's now let me ask you something I, I noticed here as, as we're going through this. Did something happen to the art? Because all of a sudden when you get to page, and I, I first noticed this on page 30. You get to page 30, and I'm thinking it actually starts on the second panel of page 30. All of a sudden... The art is very Frank Springer-like, and I don't know what what happened. It's just like all of a sudden, for like that last like two and three quarter pages, it just like took a serious dip. I really I noticed so. it with, yeah, it it, it it it's it's very different because you look at Reed Richards. Like in the first panel, well, actually, you know, now that I'm looking at it, Johnny right there looks very Springer-like, too. But you look at Reed's face where he's looking at us, the reader, and he's going, I have no other choice. I have to act now. Does that, does that not look like a Frank Springer face to you? It, it really uh, does to I, me. I, I'm going to start off by saying I'm not really 
keyed in enough on Springer to make that call. But I don't. I, I mean, I, I am. I, I am only seems, because I've been reading so much Captain America lately. <laughs> I think it seems pretty consistent with what Joe Sennett did before. I'm not really seeing a huge difference in it. You know, I, I think the line work is maybe just slightly. No, nah, I'm not really seeing a heck of a lot of difference, honestly. Okay. Uh, yeah. See, I see it again at the page at the top of page thirty-one. That first panel, Reed Richards, right there. He looks very Frank Springer-like to me. Yeah, so really, I don't. It's just, I really like the second panel where he's jabbing the hypodermic into the Hulk's shoulder. Yeah. I really like the panel of of him, you know, getting ready to collapse into the hole. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there's some good work there, and I guess you know, I, like I said, I'm not really quite keyed in enough on Springer to to give you that evaluation. But as I've mentioned, I don't, if I haven't mentioned, I'm going to say now I love this issue. <laughs> it's, I just think this is so cool. It's just fun. It's really all it is. Cause you know, like we said, the science doesn't hold up at all. Uh, the, the storyline, you know, them ending up in Madison square garden is pure silliness, but it's, it's just so much fun that I just can't stop loving this issue. Uh, and then it, they follow it up with the, the story and then they have some, uh, some, like poster pages of, of the Fantastic Four's uh, rogues gallery. Uh, you got the Mole Man, the Skrulls, Miracle Man, Doctor Doom, Kurgo, Master of Planet X, uh, and the Puppet Master. And I think these are from FF Annual number one. Actually, it says I yes. I think so. That's where it says. Uh, and they're reprinting them. Here, but that's just to fill up the couple of extra pages to make this the giant size book that to justify that 35 cent cost on it. Um, <laughs> before we get into anything else, uh, how do we figure out who won this Hulk thing battle? I, to, I don't know. To me, it, I, I, I think it's pretty clearly the Hulk. It's clearly the Hulk, but it's the Hulk in the Thing's body. So I'm thinking the Thing's body <laughs> won the fight. Yeah, but so I mean, I'm going. That? I'm going with the personality that was in there. So I'm going with it. It's the Hulk that, you know, his his pure rage and his not even seeming to realize that he was not in his proper body. I mean, does he even make a comment about it? I no. think he says something about, you know, you've done something to me, but he doesn't seem like he fully understands exactly what has happened here. He just thinks that, you know, something's happened to him and, and he's just fighting another foe. You yes. know, in, in this case, well, a foe that he says he's had dreams about. Right, exactly. Uh, and so he doesn't let this this body switch really change him or, or affect him all that. I mean, he's pretty unaffected by the whole thing. He still maintains, uh, you know, a, a Hulk like not only demeanor, but strength level and everything. I mean, to where he's knocking the actual Hulk body all over the place in this issue. Now, you know, Ben in the Hulk's body does get in a couple of good lumps, but nowhere near as many as the Hulk gets on him. Yeah. So, we were, I mean, we're not disagreeing on that. We both believe that the Hulk personality got the better of the fight. Uh, but since it's the thing's body that's getting the better of the fight, does that mean we can credit it to the thing? 
I'm I'm gonna say no. Okay, I'm gonna go along with you then, because we're in agreement as to which <laughs> body got the better of it. It's just a matter of how we how we finally declare the champion of this particular battle. Uh, but so I, we're, we're I both. It, it's a unanimous decision that the Hulk took the uh, the better of it. But I think it it raises some really interesting questions. You know, if somehow um, Ben could fully unleash, because apparently he's not been fully unleashed. Or, no, or he's, he's definitely off. He, he's, you know, he's not quite himself. He doesn't feel comfortable in the body yet. No, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean, so when he is actually normal, like, you know, his own mind and his own body, what is keeping him from doing this to the Hulk? Well, the fact that the Hulk wouldn't be thrown off by the body switch, because they make it clear that Ben Grimm is thrown off by the switch and isn't totally coordinated with the Hulk body and can't really feel comfortable with it that much. So he's struggling a little bit just to kind of be able to maintain his control. The Hulk wouldn't have that situation in a normal fight. Right. No, I, I get that, but so that, that gives I don't know. I, I mean, the thing an advantage in this particular battle or the thing's body an advantage in this particular battle, uh, where if you eliminated that and Ben felt comfortable in the Hulk's body, he would have done much better and he probably would have been gotten the better of this battle. So who was the, this was Conway, right? Yeah. So was this an admission on the part of the writer, whether consciously or subconsciously that the thing is not as powerful as the Hulk. So they had, you know, he had to give him a guffin for, for why the thing's body could knock the Hulk's body all around. Well, and they even say in there, uh, you know, he's doing it through sheer fury. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's somewhat of a, you know, we got a level. I, I think there is a basic understanding at this point in the Marvel Universe that the Hulk is stronger than the Thing. So you have to do something to level the playing field if you want to have the Thing's body be successful. See, I won't go so far as to think say that I think it's a mistake, but I do think that it would have been interesting to play with this idea you know to play with this idea that actually they're they're evenly matched or maybe even potentially the thing is stronger but somehow he's just not able to tap into whatever in, in this case the hulk is tapping into his rage that gives him the upper hand in the fight uh, I, I think that would have been an interesting idea to follow up on. And I, I, you know, to my lousy memory, I don't remember them ever doing that. But I think that would have been a really interesting route to take this that, you know, have been doing some introspective, you know, some, uh, yeah, introspection going, you know, why, why can't I do that when I'm in my body? Why can't I do that? You know, that type of thing. So, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I seem to remember and I'm trying to look for it. I seem to remember in a Spider-Man annual or special or whatever, where they they kind of went over uh, the powerhouses of the Marvel Universe. Yes. And they kind of put them in tiers. Yeah. And the Hulk was on a level above where the thing was. Right. So that that's kind of what I'm. Yeah, I, I know I know exactly what you're referencing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that too. So, I, you know, to but, me, that was an acknowledgement that the Hulk is stronger. 
I think it I think it's an interesting I don't know idea theory whatever that that the Hulk or excuse me the thing I should say the thing has power levels that he rarely taps into but that are there that he has potential anyway that that you know it's hard for him to reach or whatever and I think you know of course the story is years down the road from this but I think you know one of the the big you know exhibits for that one would be his battle with the with the champion because you know here's a guy that's you know one of the elders of the universe is supposed to pretty much be the toughest dude around and he manages to to you know he doesn't beat him but he lasts longer against him than I think the story says anybody ever had or something like that you know yeah, that's but again you know that story has its cheats too because the champion refuses to fight the th- the Hulk which I always thought was a cop out I really wanted to see that you know. But he he won't fight him because he says he's a, a mindless monster or some some stupid things. You know, there's a cop out there why he wouldn't why he wouldn't fight him. But but this this I I like this issue a lot. I really do. I think it it raises some in, really interesting questions and uh, you know had some really interesting ideas. I think the art is generally really good from from beginning to end. And I, I like you know that that tender moment between. Uh, Ben and uh, and Banner toward the beginning, I think, really made the book for me. But this this one's just it's as you said, it's just plain fun. It's another one of those just you know powerhouse you know battles through you know <laughs> through New York that just trashes everything you know as they work their way through. I love issues like that. Yeah, I, I definitely do as well, and. You know, it's it's funny because you know you, we talked about you know this is the one I I point to as like my favorite and destroy is yours, and they're both <laughs> for, for for all our, our talk of oh I, you know I, I I like to read more sophisticated blah 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 we both took two just you know yeah there's a lot of people fighting and those are the fun books. Yep, just things get trashed. <laughs> so. You know, I was going to touch on, and I think I'm going to just mention it very, very briefly in passing instead of going in depth on it because I, I don't know if I want to go in depth. Uh, the more I think about it, we we were looking, Scott and I, at some uh, images that showed. Uh, I'm going to call them homages to Kirby in uh, Rich Buckler's work, and. I know we've mentioned it many times in the past. Uh, I love Rich Buckler's work. I've seen it, you know, since since I started collecting, and I, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Rich Buckler uh, five or six times before he passed away, uh, and I always found him to be a real gentleman. Uh, so take that as it comes. Um, there are people out there who accuse him of, like, plagiarizing Jack Kirby's work. Uh, I call it homaging because I don't think he's really plagiarizing. Uh, I believe that when he took over on the Fantastic Four, uh, he was given a specific instruction to make it look as Kirby-like as possible. And I think that really is the reasoning behind uh, the swipes that people point to. Uh, And when you see them and you compare them, I actually think it's kind of cool to look at them and see that. Uh, and, and Scott and I were talking about it before and, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying to 
just put my words correctly together here. We, we were talking about it earlier, and we don't see it as, as a real negative. Uh, I don't mean to speak for you, Scott, but if you disagree with anything I say, please chime in at any point. Uh, and if, if you look at it you know, as a listener and you, you want to disagree with us, that's fine. Uh, but I'd really prefer you not to make this a Rich Buckler bashing thing. If you're going to send in any letters, just make them intelligent and not just angry. Uh, and if you think, if you disagree with us, that's okay. You're always welcome to disagree with us. But you know, keep it keep it civil. Uh, I th I think the homages are terrific to look at, actually, and I think it's a fun comparison. So that's as far as I'm going to go on that particular comment. Well, I I didn't want to, you know, I didn't mean to talk you out of, you know, something that you wanted to cover if you really wanted to cover it. My 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 thought was, my fear was, uh, as you say, I didn't want it to turn negative or ugly. I didn't want it to turn into, you know, some denigration of uh, of Buckler's work or his reputation or anything. Um, literally, on the day the man died, um, I saw things on Facebook denigrating him and saying you know that he he you know pointing out that he did what they call swipes and it just broke my heart because you know okay so he swiped but i'd like to see a, a comic book artist that never did any swipes and i don't look at most swipes as being swipes in the sense of the word you know in the negative sense of the word you know whereas you know thievery i look at it especially in this instance, I look at it as an homage to someone else's work uh, that hopefully was done, you know, in a, in a respectful way. Or in this case, I agree with you. I think it was probably done because he was working under a mandate from somebody to make it look like Kirby. Um, and my big evidence for that with this particular issue is the fact that um, I don't see a lot of Rich Buckler in here, if you know what I mean. I, I really see this as heavily influenced by uh, other styles that aren't necessarily Rich Buckler's uh, personal style. And I pride myself as someone who can pick out Buckler's personal style pretty readily because I think he had an amazing personal style. Um, but I've noticed that with uh, with his uh, you know his other FF work and some of the other work that he did too that sometimes he would kind of suppress his own style to ape a different style and and again I'm assuming because somebody mandated that somebody wanted that and I, I don't think in that particular case that you know that that's a problem um, but I, I just didn't want it to turn into something, you know, ugly on, you know, Facebook or in our group or, you know, even with, uh, with, you know, letter feedback or whatever, because frankly, I'm just, I'm so tired of it. Uh, you and I, Paul, were talking before we started recording, you know, I keep seeing this happening. Um, this week alone, I, I've seen it, you know, like two, three, four times this week with, uh, with Bob Kane, uh, the creator of Batman, where, you know, it just, it, it seems like there just can never be a post about this man that doesn't turn into just the ugliest thing you've ever seen. And it just kills me because, you know, you know, personal opinions are fine. You know, you can have whatever personal opinion you want, but, you know, can't somebody ever just post up something saying, 
hey, I like so-and-so without somebody else having to chime in and, and you know, calling them just awful things. And I all week long this week, that's all I saw. Uh, this, this one particular image of Bob Kane kept going around. And invariably, within just a couple of posts, some in some instances, the very first post, uh, you know, comment, I should say, was something denigrating the person. And I'm just like, Jesus, you know, for one thing, the guy's dead. He can't even defend himself anymore. But for two, this was supposed to be a a show of appreciation for this person and for their work. And now you've turned it into something nasty. And I'm seeing it with Bob Kane. I see it with Stan Lee a lot, which really breaks my heart. And I just I don't want to see that with uh, with Rich Buckler. So you know, as Paul said, just you know, keep it civil. We we understand, uh, you know. And Paul has a whole uh, you know gallery that uh, he was sharing with me before we started of comparing a lot of the panels uh, in this book to pre-existing. Uh, Marvel work by Kirby, and there's no denying. I mean, in, in the page, in the panels I'm looking at here, there's absolutely no denying. Yeah, that's that's an outright swipe. But again, um, I'm thinking that's because he was told to, you know, make it Kirby. So, you know, what's the best way to make it Kirby is, you know, <laughs> take Kirby and do it again. So, you know, yeah, I don't see it as theft. Um, feel free to disagree, but just be respectful about it. Yeah, I think that's the biggest key is be respectful because the, we don't gain anything by not put it that way. Right. So, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I I'm so thankful to you for, uh, you know, the time I got to come and stay with you, and we went to Eternal Con that I got to cross something off my personal, you know, comic book fanboy. Uh, bucket list by meeting Rich Buckler. And that's something I never would have dreamed as a kid, you know, thrilling to his Superman that I'd actually get to meet the guy one day. And he was such a gentleman, you know, just the nicest guy. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a memory I'm always going to cherish because it wasn't too long after that, the guy was gone, you know, and there's so many, I mean, there's, there's a huge list now of creators that God, you know, I wish I'd have gotten, even if it was just, just a two second, you know, handshake and thanks. I love your work, you know, that, that I'm never going to get now because you know, they're gone. Uh, but I'm just, I, I remain so, you know, incredibly thankful that I got to meet uh, rich buckler in real life. And uh, you know, I, I had taken a small stack of books that, you know, it may sound really corny, but it's true, you know, that meant so much to me because, you know, these these were things that, you know, I cherished from my childhood that I got to take and he signed every one of them. And I got to, you know, just a moment with him to say, you know, this is why I brought this and this is what it meant to me. You know, that sort of thing. You know, I, I hope it means as much to the creators as it means to, to us when we get to do things like that. But it really meant a lot to me, you know, to, to have that moment with him and uh you know, and get that memory. So, yeah, I, I, does. I, I I'm a huge. Think it does. I think most most of the creators, there are some that are, uh, you know, they think they're above it all. But for the most part, I think <laughs> creators are in this for the love of what we do or what they do, the love of this industry. And to have people come to them and say, wow, this is, you know, this really had an influence in my life. And this was, you know, gave me joy. I think it means a lot to them. I think it's very, I think it, it's 
very uh, satisfying to them to know that their work affected people the way it did. Being and, one of those, and I think Rich Buckler is one of those people who feels that way. Or yeah, that way. At least that's the impression. Being one of those. Yeah, being one of those guys, I don't know if you'd call him second wave or, or what wave he would be, but being one of those guys of the wave that came into comics, like, you know, right around the time of Neil Adams, maybe a little bit after Adams, so many of those guys were fans first, you know, so they were, you know, they were fans turned creators. And so that, you know, that was always my impression of uh, of Rich Buckler was that, you know, he was in this for exactly the reasons you say, you know, because he was a fan. He, you know, and he enjoyed, uh, you know, the interaction with other fans and, you know, just the characters. And that's, you know, contributing to the world type of thing. So, yeah, I, I have enormous respect for him. And I'm, I'm, I've always been a huge mark for his work. I really like the guy. I, I think he was. Uh, I think he was a hell of an artist, and I think he's sadly, even to this day, I think he's just far uh, underappreciated and underestimated. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think his his work is not doesn't get nearly the credit it should. So uh, I'm going to make this real easy. For me, this is A plus all across the board. I love the story. <laughs> I love the cover. I love the art. So done. What do you think? Oh gosh, you know that now you've made it hard for me to want to grade this because <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to piss on your parade. You know no, what I mean? Please feel free and be honest. Tell me what you think. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna say it's straight up A on the cover. Um, I do think there's a little bit of room for improvement. Um, that's mostly with the Hulk, um, but otherwise, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's an iconic cover. It's so eye-catching. And as I said, yeah, I, th I think the best compliment you can ever give to a cover is, did I buy it or would I have bought it? Yeah, I definitely would have bought it. I don't remember ever seeing this on the stands, but 74 was a little before my time buying stuff on my own, you know. Um, but if I had, yeah, I definitely would have. And, yeah, I mean, again, just on your word of mouth alone, uh, I sought this out and bought it and, uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah, the cover is a straight-up A. Um, interior art, I gotta be honest, I like it, but I'm not nuts about it. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, well, two things. I, I don't see a lot of, uh, Buckler's natural style, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, I see way more of the make it Kirby, which is fine, but I, I like Buckler's natural style. Um, and I do, uh, I'm sorry, I just have to disagree. I do think it's inconsistent because I think right at the very end of the story, something happened here. And I'm almost wondering if maybe there was uh, some other hands in the inking, maybe contributing to like finishing the last few pages or something. Um, it's just a sense I get off and I can't quite put my finger on it, but it, it just, it looks to me like, like, a different inker possibly. I'm not sure, but it, it is just a little inconsistent throughout the book, but especially right there at the very end. So um, the art's not, it's not perfect for me, but I do like it. And there is a, there is a lot of it that, I mean, I like much more of it than I dislike. So, you know, there's some really good shots in here. Again, that, 
that page of uh, of Johnny flying over the city. I mean, that's poster worthy. That's a great shot. I really like that. And there's some other really good shots in here too. Um, so overall in the art, I think I'm going to go, uh, oh, it's tough on this one. Um, I think I'm going to go somewhere between an, an A minus and a B plus. I'll say an A minus. I'll, I'll be generous. I'll say an A minus because I definitely think there's some room for improvement, but I really like the art a lot. And then the story, um, with the exception of, uh, you know, the, some of the premise is a little bit silly with how they switch minds and especially how they switch back at the end. And Reed Richards, you know, he, he's pulling a general Thrawn here where he's just kind of pulling shit out of his ass to get, you know, to get to the conclusion we need the story to get to. And I, the, I, that I that type of writing makes me crazy, um, so I think I'm going to go just an A uh, on the story. Just take a just a little bit off for Reed Richards mostly, um, but it, you know overall this is I mean this is an A bordering on A plus book for me. It's it's so much fun. It's exactly the kind of uh, big muscular you know overpowered superhero brawl that I like where they just tear across a city. And uh, and just trash everything, including each other. So yeah, it's, it's about that level. It's fun, and that's all I ask my superhero comics to do for me is is give me a good time, and this one totally does. So yeah, I, this is a great book, really, really great book. And just just you know, I mentioned it at one point during it. Uh, one of the things that pumps up the artwork for me in this book, for my own personal rating, is just those shots of the transformation to and from. Bruce Banner to the Hulk and back again, the way they they, they worked in <clears throat> the coloring with the green and the skin tone and everything. <clears throat> it's one of the things that just stands out in my mind about this book, so I just wanted to mention it again. No, and I'm glad you did because I I totally failed to mention. Um, is anybody? Oh yeah, Petra Goldberg did the. Is that who it was? Petra. Is that yes. right, Goldberg. Yes. Uh, yeah, I meant to mention the colors again, too, and I totally forgot. But, yeah, I think the book is colored really well, um, which was tough back in this period, you know, because it was still the four-color period. And uh, sometimes the books, off times the books, didn't have the best coloring, and they'd look muddy or weird or whatever. But, no, the colors are really good in this one. And, uh, yeah, good book. So that's it for our regular meeting of these two, but we're going to give you a very brief <laughs> side adventure here, which we passed up as far as the chronological uh, uh, release dates on these, because this w takes us back to cover dating of December of 1967. It's not really the Thing versus the Hulk. It's the ever-loving Thung versus the inedible bulk. <laughs> and uh, you, you have a very brief synopsis on this one, Scott. Oh my God, it's ridiculously brief. So, uh, peek behind the curtain here. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to be synopsizing this issue, so I don't have anything prepared or whatever. Um, but I also realized that even if I did, um, it's so much easier for you to just hunt this down and read it than it is to listen to me do a synopsis. Cause my synopsis, I'm sure, would be five times longer than it takes to actually read the story. Cause there's just, so much visually jammed into this. So this is actually an issue of, uh, did you, did you say this? It was not brand Eck. I didn't mention the this, issue. Okay. This is not brand Eck number five. 
Um, the story, and this is just one of, uh, I think several stories that are in the book. Um, and this one's the, the thung versus the ball. Now, what is a thung? Is that just a made up word or is that an actual thing? No, I, I think it's a made up word. Should it, should it have been the thung maybe? That's what I was thinking, but that conjures a whole, you know, these days anyway, conjures a whole different, uh, whole different image. But anyway, written by, uh, Stan Lee. Art on this one by uh, by Marie Severin, and this is it's fun because she is adopting a uh, a very like to me it's like very like Mad Magazine type of art style, which is funny because her it's her brother right John yes. was her brother you had just mentioned that I think in one of our previous thing versus the Hulk battles that his his yeah. work kind of reminded you of that. Always, yeah. I can't see his artwork and not think Mad Magazine. So it's funny that she's now drawing in in like a uh, highly cartoony, stylized version of something else that I also associate with uh, with Mad Magazine. Um, let's see. The now I'm getting this synopsis off the Marvel Wiki, but it <laughs> bear with me, folks. It's not much of a synopsis. So it just says the Thung battles the bulk. When he suspects the bulk of trying to beat my time with his girlfriend Anemia, which is you know, the the funny name for uh, Alicia Masters, he says uh, this is a loose parody of Fantastic Four twenty five twenty six, though it also employs elements of the things bout with the Silver Surfer from Fantastic Four uh, number fifty five, which I know I've read it, but I don't I don't remember that. So yeah, I'm not. It's something following the battle with Galactus, and I hadn't really put that together. But following the battle with Galactus and everything in 48, 49, and 50, uh, the Silver Surfer, you know, is is stuck on Earth, and he's disillusioned for obvious reasons, and he's seeking some advice, comfort, whatever, with Alicia Masters and. You know, right. she has no romantic yeah. interest in, in in him at this point, the thing kind of freaks out and starts a fight with him when he sees that. That's story. right. Okay, yeah, now you've jogged my memory. Now I do remember. Okay, now I know what they're referencing. So basically this starts where both the thong and the bulk are coming at the same time to uh, Anemia's apartment, and the thong reaches out to ring the doorbell and basically pinches the bulk's face. He gives it's him a mush. Really yeah. He mushes his face, and that's enough to uh, to start a fight between the two. The bulk does this two-handed over over the head slam down of the thong, and actually knocks him through the earth, where he comes out in. Uh, I'm, I'm presuming this must be China. Which and, is, is how would that be received today? I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, this is a panel that would not fly today. But it, the thing with this is almost, almost every single panel of this story has a gag in it, like a, you know, a, a, like a funny sign or a little, you know, appearance from another character or something. And it's just chock full. And I, I love this because this does take me back to the humor books of, of when I was a kid, you know, like Mad or Crazy. I loved Crazy. That, I always thought Crazy was a really good magazine. Well, um, speaking of man, so, on, on that same page, we have a, we do have a shot of Alfred E. Newman. Alfred here. Newman, yeah. Well, I like uh, where, for whatever reasons, uh, Snoopy is reading a book on Baron Strucker. <laughs> and, and Snoopy <laughs> with the with the, uh, the the you know the the flight helmet on or whatever the leather helmet. 
Yeah, the, when he was the, the World the, War II flying ace. World Snoopy. War II flying ace. Yeah. Now I had a question for you. There's the panel where the thong uproots a tree and Kazar falls out of it. Yes. <laughs> and Kazar says he's going to give up being Kazar and become a CPA. Didn't he actually do something like that in the comics? He became like a like a accountant or a businessman or something. I can I seem to recall. Are, 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 are you thinking like of that. Namor? No, no, I thought a a businessman. Uh, I know Kazar, you know, he uh, inherited the plunder fortune or whatever. So there was. Right. uh, But I don't think he actually became a CPA at any point. (laughs) Not that I'm aware of. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking I I was thinking that I had seen a story somewhere where he was like in a suit and in an office or whatever. But now now that I think about it, that might have been in an issue in the comedy issue of what if maybe that's what I'm thinking. I can't remember, but it just seems I do think there was an issue of Spider-Man in the 40s or I think in the 50s, actually. So, you know, early on, somewhat early on, you know, it's still in the 1960s where he came to New York and he was wearing like a suit, and he had Zabu on a on a leash. Right. I, I I vaguely remember. It's been a long, long time since I read that particular issue, but I I do think there was an image of him in that type of look. Yeah. So I'm thinking something. Spider Man Fifty Seven, if I my memory is accurate yeah i'm thinking something further down the line like in the 80s or something but i i really i can't i mean it's just a vague memory but i mean i was never ever into kazar but it's just that that jogged a memory for whatever reason i um, actually was a fan of kazar and i have been a fan and i have a lot of his issues and i don't actually ever remember that uh that particular story beat <laughs> i'll have to see if maybe i can i can hunt it up or something but uh yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through every single thing in this, but I would I would encourage you to seek this out and give it a look. It is really funny, and I love the exaggerated art style. I really like the exaggeration of the fight. There's a, a panel where the Hulk or, or the bulk, I should say, hits the thong in the face, and basically his face is just exploding into like pebbles, which is just hysterical. I love that, but I just I love the little gags that are jam packed into, you know, each one of the the panels. Um, I, I think my favorite thing in the entire fight though was where the thong, no, so the Hulk, the bulk is riding on a on a public bus, and the thong tears it in two, and one of the passengers says, "Driver, it's getting drafty back here," and the driver's saying complaints all day long nothing but complaints complaints and i'm just thinking as somebody that drives the public for a living yes yes this that would probably be me so yeah i thought that was really funny like you mentioned though there's a gag in every almost every panel they they show you know at one point uh the hulk is 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 posing for uh, for i and i i have to say alicia because i keep forgetting anemia uh <laughs> But he's he's standing like on one foot with the other foot out in the air and his arm behind him, kind of like a you know a heroic pose. The thing lifts up the building and the Hulk's reaction is, "Did someone belch?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he knocks him into the ground and and uh, they they see the, the mole man and Tyrannus and they're like, "Beat it, bum! This is a private club." 
when the Hulk is right. sitting on sitting on the on the bus, the first panel he's he's reading a book saying Understanding Media. The second panel he's reading Peter Wabbit. <laughs> right. There's just so many little things like that. When he uh, gets knocked through the building and goes through every floor, there's there's a gag on every floor of the building, and I, I love that. I just think that's awesome. He runs you know, he the gets, Dagwood Bumstead. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by all the the non Marvel characters that that wind up in this because it was Snoopy. There was I don't know if that's supposed to be Charlie Brown on the post no bills bald head there. I know there was another one I caught too, and now I forget which which it was. But there, I mean, as I say, it was just jam packed with characters. Dagwood, Alfred E. New, yeah, yep. Yeah, this is, there's a lot of stuff. It's just fun. So who gets the better of this fight? It's not going for our official ratings, though. Um, that's a really good I have question. My opinion. I'm gonna say that the thing. The thong actually gets I, – I, I think he should get the point because he actually manages to defeat the Hulk uh, yes. in, a, in, a, in a way. Yeah he, yeah, he has him reach in and get, grab some wires, which forces him back into uh, Bruce Banner, uh, whatever name he has in, in, in this parody. Uh, but he's still talking like the, the, the bulk. So, come on, flat – so come on out where I'd, I'll have the, the room to flatten you if my pants don't fall down. <laughs> <laughs> See, and, and here he looks like I was saying, you know, he's, he's scrawny, his pants are falling off, he has to hold his pants up. He actually has them tied with a big rope around him in the last panel of the of the story. And look at him, he's all skin and bones, you can see his ribs. That's That's the way I think Banner should be right there. Not as cartoony as this, of course, but... And then the the final joke is that after he turns back into whatever his name is, Bruce Banner, uh, t- they're they're approached by law enforcement who requires them to fix all the damage that they cause. But since he's in a weakened state, he can't help, and the thing has to do it all himself. <laughs> and and meanwhile, the the uh, I don't know who it's supposed to be the. Uh, what is it? The keeper of the comics code is the one who's making him fix everything. Yeah. And he walks off with anemia yeah. saying crime doesn't pay. <laughs> yeah. The guy's briefcase is, uh, is emblazoned with the comics code authority on it. I, I love that. I thought that was cool. I really liked not brand as a, uh, as a, as an, as a comic. I don't know if it would have held up long term. It was only, I think 13 issues, which I do have all of, uh, I don't oh, really? Yes. In fact, uh, trying to remember, was it Tim Elliott? I think it may have been. The the second Long Island visit that you guys all had, I think it was Tim that gave me issue number one, which was the only one I didn't have. Uh, unless I got that somewhere else. I don't, you know what, I think it was Tim, so I'm going to give him the thanks and credit for it either way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was that was... The, I know that was the last last issue that I acquired. Is that uh, the one that I found, and then he handed it to you? Like like somebody had been looking for it, and I pulled it out of the bin for somebody, and I think I handed it to him, but then he handed it to you because he knew you needed it or something like that? That's possible. I don't know. I just remember walking away saying, I finally have that issue. That <laughs> but 
But anyway, I, I thought that was just a, such a fun series, and I always loved it, and I'm happy that I have the whole run of it. Uh, but I don't know if they had kept doing it long term, if it would have kept its, you know, it, its cachet. I think it, it might might have gotten a little played after a while. As a kid, sweet. as a kid, I only ever had one issue, and I was gonna say, you know, I've since acquired more, but then I'm looking at my database. I only, I still only have that one issue, according to this. I was always under the impression that title only lasted like four or five issues. I'm shocked to hear it lasted thirteen, but uh. But that's not to disparage it. I just, you know, I, I remember reading that issue as a kid, thinking it was kind of funny, and, and kind of put it out of my mind. I, I just, I rarely ever see uh, issues of that series pop up. It's weird. Well, they, they but, did uh, uh, eventually reprint some of the issues. They did. They had a three-issue run uh, of a, of a comic. They called it Crazy, uh, and it was right. just three issues, and it reprinted stories from Not Brandech. And I have that as well. Uh, I had issues two and three until, uh, I guess, about two weeks ago when my care package came in the mail from Mr. Scott Gardner, which included issue number one of that particular run. So that completed that <laughs> run for me. So not brand F, just looking to my database, listed 13 issues. And I have one through wow. 13. I'm going to have to hunt them down and read them now because this I got a kick out of this. I really did. I, it just it, it kept me in stitches as I was reading it. It's, it's really funny. I mean, it's very creative with the different gags and everything. You know, yeah. humor humor stuff can often you know it's it's either hit or miss. But I, I like it when it's done in this style where it's very irreverent and doesn't take itself too seriously. But there's just it's almost like a Monty Python skit because there's just so many gags that you have to go through it several times. To, and every time you do, you're going to catch something new. And I, I just get a kick out of that. Plus, I'm shocked that uh, the first story in here, the Revengers versus Charlie America, is actually drawn by Gene Colan. I was shocked when I realized that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I yeah they, they use their regular talent to do these books. And and I think that's one of the reasons why it was better than it could have been. <laughs> so I, I don't know if we should rate this particular one or not. But uh, as far as parodies go, I'd say it's a hell of a lot of fun, uh, both in the story, you know, the, the quick quips that they're giving, as well as in the art and the little things that are hidden. So as far as parodies go, I'm just going to say it's an A story. Yeah, I I think so. You know, I, I'll I'll agree with that because I did get an awful big kick out of it. it. It's just fun. It's it's wacky. It's irreverent. It's it's the type of thing I like for for this type of thing. So, so and for anyone who's following along with our Thing Hulk retrospective, uh, the next episode that we cover them, we'd be doing Fantastic Four one sixty six and one sixty seven. Yep, I was just looking that up myself to see, because some of these uh, end on a cliffhanger, but then the follow-up issue doesn't actually have them fight, so we're not covering them. So I was taking a quick look to see do they does it actually carry over to both issues, and it does. So yeah, that'll be the next one. And I'm looking forward to that one because the art's really nice in that one too. George Perez. Yep. 
And everybody's favorite inker. At least on the first part. Is, is he it? on both of them? I, I just yeah, assumed it would see. be Joe Sinnott. It's Vinny? It's Joe Sinnott on 167, but it's Vinny Coletta on 166. So, you know what? When we when we review them, we should compare how the inking looks with, oh, yes. <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. each one of them and try and see, you know. I, I personally think Sinnott's one of the best inkers Marvel ever had, so let's see if it holds up. Yep. All right, well, and that'll do it for this week's episode. I thank you all for joining us. And, Scott, this, as usual, has been fun. Absolutely. I had a blast. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. So, oh, so what is this? Back to the bins? Where are we? We are back to the bins. We are back to the bins. Bum, 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 bum. No, that doesn't work, does it? Not really. Wait, we are binsers. Bum, 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 bum. Like we are farmers. I, I did figure that one out. <laughs> well, I wanted to make sure that you, you know, you knew what I was talking about. But the bump of the bump, 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 bump doesn't go well, does it? Goes wonderfully. Yeah. Well, then that's it. That's our new theme. All right. You just, you know. We are bidzers. Bump, 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 bump. That will be a uh, a bumper. <laughs> no, really? That's all I have is a big giant bumper for you. Bumper boy. <laughs> <laughs>